So Dave did the marathon in under 240? He was on target to do it in under 240. He, he was carried across the line at, uh, I think, about 252 in the end. He was carried across the line? More or less. We've not seen it? No. Amazing. Oh, do you not know the story? No. Oh, it's, right. on, it's, on BBC. it's a big story about the marathon. So Amazing you've not heard he's, it. He's, I don't care he's, about the marathon. He's a media celebrity. Mm. Media oh, I did see, do you know, I saw a headline on the BBC website about someone, r- runner gives up race. That's it. That was him. That was, that was Dave. The guy he helped was Dave. Really? That story, the story of the marathon, apart from the fact that people want it, is, is Dave. I mean, no one cares about who wins the marathon. N- not when you've got Dave. Well, I, 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 breakfast on Monday morning. There's Dan Walker. The Wyeth up on the screen. Boom. Madness. The good-looking oh good Wyeth. It's been shared about 10 million times, that. Is that right? Yeah. Absolute insanity. So you need to get... Dave needs to get on the back of that and start promoting set-piece menu. Well, now he is the most famous person in the family. Then. He certainly is. probably do without his sister. And the most, the most uh, media-accomplished person well, in the family. He's spent more time on the BBC than you and me put <laughs> indeed, together. Yes, indeed. Yeah. But is... I mean, viral fame's not real fame like you have, no. Steve, is it? Let's face it. Yes. It's yours it's yours is based on achievement. It's not sustained, is it? Exactly, yeah. Big story Sunday. Kind of interesting Monday. By Tuesday. Nobody's bothered. Chip paper. Yeah. He's Get on with your life, Dave. Yeah. He's very much... Unlike the final 200 yards of the marathon, taking it in his stride. <laughs> but uh, having played football with Dave, I know that Dave is quite a competitive man. He well, he was, yeah, he was waving them off, saying, leave me alone. Is I'll Dave like- disappointed he needed to be carried over the line? The thing that he was initially disappointed about, that he'd, he'd let himself down in terms of his time, because he was aiming to break two minutes 40, and also that he, he was, you know, wanted to raise money for a charity that was you know, close to his heart and he felt like he'd let them down because he hadn't achieved what he said he was going to achieve. But the fact is is that the donations to the charity have increased six or seven-fold. Right. See, he's a cynic. He put it on. He put it on for so the dollar. He's, at, he's actually he's, he's, he's achieved what he wanted to achieve because he's, he's finished the London Marathon and he's raised a shed load of money. But I don't, well, don't well want to put a damper on it, but technically has he run the marathon? <laughs> well, this is what a few people have asked, but because mm. he was helped over the line yes, by another competitor he's finished he has a medal oh, okay. it was, it was alright for the Brownleys remember the Brownleys yeah. didn't yeah, yeah, yeah. well we all have medals it doesn't mean you deserve them <laughs> that's true, that's true. Mm. If we're taking mm. you I'm not saying medal. he doesn't deserve I think he, he, he should get two medals his is quite a lot more of a legitimate no, medal absolutely <laughs> right yes <laughs> the, the guy who helped him over the line should get two medals no no yeah no I don't think he should the funny thing was is that on Sunday because everybody knows that Steve works for the BBC and everybody at the BBC wanted to talk to Dave somebody at the BBC who will remain nameless Drew Savage um <laughs> Know Steve's number and distributed Steve's number. So the whole of Sunday afternoon, Steve is basically the PR department. I've, I've seen for the media, Dave Wyatt. I've, I've seen the media beast from the other side. I've seen the you know the gamekeeping rather than poaching side of it. And I have to say, I think. I think I enjoy our side <laughs> a little bit more, quite the thing is, When you're trying to get a guest on uh, in a story, you kind of think, oh, is that a difficult get? Is that an easy get? And they all in the entire office would have gone, well, it's going to be an easy get, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. need to phone Steve. I, uh, Drew, the, the colleague of ours who, who distributed my number very kindly to various media outlets, <laughs> including is, the opposition. is a member of the same running club as, as David. And when David joined this running club, Chalton Runners, I said to Drew in the office, Drew, my brother has joined the running club that you're a member of, so look out for him. You know, I think you'll know who he is. You know, it's a fairly unfamiliar name, Wyeth. He goes, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. When he texts me on Sunday, Drew, to ask about uh, David doing this, he goes, I had absolutely no idea that David Wyeth was your brother. <laughs> is that right? It's true. He's got the same surname as me. He lives in the same city as me. And I physically told you face to face he was joining your running club. And you don't look at... 
identical, but there is a similarity. You wouldn't, if you put you. The There's enough to join the dots. to make you think, well, he looks, he looks familiar. He's very handsome. He looks familiar. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would suggest Drew sticks to sports news rather yeah. than goes into <laughs> private investigation. So on, apart from the BBC's endless, so the problem I always have with the BBC is that, so the BBC have this big list of phone numbers, which is an incredibly useful resource if you need to tap into it to get numbers for people. Not that I do that. That would be terrible. But once you're on it, you get phone calls from from all these different BBC outlets. So I get calls from like BBC Belfast, BBC Cardiff, and they're all welcome. And I don't do any of them these days. But <laughs> the, not, not since the book. Yeah. <laughs> not since now the book's gone to paperback. Yeah. Not since it came out in paperback. But no. But then you get like BBC. All these. There's so many different people, and no one obviously thinks. Well, we need to talk to him about this, or we'll do it centrally, and blah blah blah. Anyway. So you, presumably you were getting calls off all the different BBC yeah. areas. Were you also getting phone calls off the opposition? Uh, they were getting in touch by all sorts of weird and wonderful... My cousins were getting... Who'd, who'd been tweeting about it or, or posting things on Facebook were getting messages on Twitter and Facebook from, right? from newspapers, from other media outlets. Yeah, it was, it was incessant. Pigeons. I was <laughs> flying in. Pigeons are going to go well, quicker. The, the main way we communicate in the 21st century these days is by uh, overhead plane trailing a banner. Yes. So presumably yeah. there are a few of those. Dave, call yeah, yeah, yeah. 077. Yeah. How you feel about contracts? Just hire a light aircraft and fly over a football ground. That's what we all tend to do, isn't it? Welcome to Set Piece Menu, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. I am Hugh Ferry. I'm here all the time. Steve Wyeth is here all the time. Andy Hinchcliffe is here all the time in body, if nothing else. And Rory Smith, well, Rory, perhaps you'd like to explain your impressive travel schedule from last week that means that you're not here all the time. Yeah, I'm really sorry, and I feel terribly guilty and quite sad that I missed last week. Uh, I was... I drove up at eight... No, I drove up at six in the morning on Tuesday to fly to Madrid. Uh, And then I went to Real Madrid against Bayern Munich. And then I got up at... I went to bed at one or yeah. two, got up at four. No, that's not true. I had a lion that morning. Uh, I got up at seven to get the train <laughs> from Relaxation. Madrid to Barcelona and then watched Barcelona against Juventus. And then I went to bed at two after the Barca-Juve game and got up at four to get a flight to Florence. And then I got... And how was she? I got to Florence <laughs> and I couldn't get into my hotel. So I had to go and have a coffee for about six hours before I did an interview in Italian, which is really hard on no sleep, uh, and then sort of collapsed. Well, I collapsed for an hour and then woke up again and watched Leon Besiktas, which was brilliant, and then couldn't sleep. So I got back on Friday and I was absolutely exhausted. Could the only tell- bad thing is that you didn't get the commentary via Steve Wyeth, which a lot of other people... No, I got the done. Italian Steve Wyeth doing <laughs> yes. the commentary. I think, I think you would have enjoyed it more if you'd, um, if you'd had my commentary to supplement. It was. I enjoyed it. But yeah, so I had a very busy week and I'm very sorry. And it sounds glamorous, and to an extent it is. But the, <laughs> that, that was one big humble brag, but by it, the way. No, it wasn't a humble brag. It was literally, that was just what happened. This, oh, this, is, this, this is a horrible thing to say, and I shouldn't say it. But, and I wonder if it applies to any of you, but mm. particularly Chinch, because he was a professional footballer. I because was. I was. He's right. Sometimes people ask me what my job is, and I find it really hard to answer, because you sound like a complete... Yes. arrogant <laughs> so-and-so. It's difficult to e- hopefully, e- even it? saying what, what it literally is that you do. So you sort of say, I'm a, I'm a, I tend to say I'm a journalist and then hope that there's no follow-up questions. <laughs> yes, exactly. But the, and, what, and where have you, you been? You under-promise in the hope that you can eventually... Well, no, but I, don't want, I don't really like telling people what I do. You're a successful it's, novelist. It's, it's, it's not a yeah, novelist. It's a novel. Read the book. <laughs> I'm going to read, read the, book. the book. Once I take it out from underneath the table leg, I will read it. Well, the upshot is, of course, is that Superdry has now had more appearances on the podcast than Raw. Not today, I'm though. One of the instigators. Really I can't wear sorry. them when I come here now. Terrible. You have uh, a different T-shirt on 
on. Yep. It does, however, still have the same amount of food splashed all over it. We've got no. a lovely selection of pastries, both savoury and sweet, and indeed some nice red grapes to enjoy uh, as well. Grape. You had a very heavy schedule, obviously, all this travelling yeah. and not getting into hotels and going to big matches, but you never once thought to maybe just give us a quick 30 seconds... I did, tell us. I did think. Did you think? And but Hugh didn't. told me to, and then yeah. I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice that, isn't it? Mm, nice to be thought of when you're away. Look at how threateningly he's teasing those two grapes <laughs> in his fingers. Rory is regretting his decision to sit next to yeah. Chuch. Yeah. Well, you Chuch is really angry. It's true. You don't, we don't normally to, sit next um, to each other, do we? No, but no, I do. No. Well, funnily enough, when uh, Rory arrived this morning, you did indeed say, let me breathe you in, you such did, as too. your excitement. I've seen him. It's bloody gorgeous. It is very, very So I'm just choking on a grape. At Set Piece Menu is where you can get in touch on Twitter. You can also email us at setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Um, here's the housekeeping. Please review, rate, subscribe, tell your friends you have never been more needed. It's getting a bit beggy. Uh, we had a review recently that even mentioned the famous architect Dave Jones. So we've got um, got, got, a, got a few people who are paying attention at least. And um, just quickly, because I think this is the last chance that we'll get to do it, please vote for us on the list, in the Listener Award at the British Podcast Awards. All you need to go is uh, to BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote type in set piece menu uh, vote for us you've got until the end of April I have an important update an important update and announcement something else I should have told you from last week is that I had an in-person review that also mentioned Dave Jones why is Dave Jones getting more traction is that Dave Jones the famous architect who lives next door to me is on my Wikipedia page for no apparent reason (laughs) yes Um, I don't know that's worrying because I think we're pretty good at what we do, but he's getting more mentions. Well, he's a well-known architect. Have you, is he though? Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen any of his buildings. It could be public <laughs> lavatories. We don't know, do we? Yet to have a conversation over the over the fence. Well, I did actually garden? see him. Yes, I, I was mowing my lawn. He was mowing, and we just kind of looked at each other. I, has, oh, you're so close. No, there has to come a point where I stop and say, "What is this all about? How has this happened?" Because clearly, I've not done it. So, well, really? <laughs> why would I do it? Just to deflect away from your massive name and popularity. Well, yeah. Each episode of Set Piece Menu, we talk about one subject. Today, it may well be Dave Jones, the famous architect who lives next door to Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> um, we do, however, talk about just one subject via many meanderings and tangents, but one subject only this week. Hot on the heels of the Champions League quarterfinals, which apparently Rory travelled to, and a Classico to uh, the weekend just gone. We've been thinking about the big three. Real... Barca and Bayern. And we wondered, is this the end of an era? For the first time since 2009, only one will be present in the semi-finals of the Champions League and their biggest names are getting older too. Regeneration of an ageing squad is one of the things that managers are given most credit for, but does any coach actually stick around long enough these days to care about that anymore? So, Real, Barca, Bayern, is this the end of an era? I start with the disclaimer, that stat about the first time since 2009 that only one being in the semi-finals of the Champions League was completely pilfered from an excellent article by Rory Smith of the New York Times. But where did this, 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 the seed of this idea come from? Was it who, does someone mention something about this kind of subject? Do you remember I who it was? Someone with a, with a deep yeah. animalistic sexuality change. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Can't was it Steve? <laughs> he does fit the bill, but oh, no. no. that's more Dave White. On this Steve occasion, White, just, I just remember someone damn sexy, you're right, mentioned <laughs> something, and, and you leapt on it and said, this is a great idea Me. for an article and I can steal it and make lots of money from it. Me and Chinch were talking a while ago about... Uh, Chinch and I. Chinch and I <laughs> yeah. were talking a while ago about who would replace... Yes. Kind of what you do if you're Barcelona and you've had this amazing team for kind of 10 years and you at some point time catches up with everybody and you have to start thinking about how to move on. And it's really hard to name players who, who could obviously not be the next message. You're not going to replace Messi. You have to kind of replace the aggregate if you can and it will be really hard. Um, 
it's really difficult to think of players who, who could step into those shoes when the likes of Iniesta, who's over 30, Piquet, who's nearing it, Mascherano, Messi, Suarez, they're, they're all around 30. Who will come next? And uh, I think that what, what we've seen this season... So I wasn't at the Classico, but I did have a great idea for a piece that I should really have written missed out. had I been on the, cla- at if, the Classico. If, if I was going to pick one game from oh, that no. week, it probably would have been oh, that. No. But I'd, any well, the I'd other rubbish. Week, huh? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Barca probably won't win anything this season. They're obviously, out of the Champions League, Real still have a game in hand in the lead. Celta away. It's tough, but if they get anything from that game and then match Barcelona's the rest, results, yeah. they will they will win the league. Um, but Barcelona have probably given us the two greatest moments of the season, which which kind of has to count for something, I think. And it shows that they are not kind of finished. Those big clubs won't ever be finished because they're too rich, they're too powerful, their players are too good. So the 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 win against Real and also the comeback against PSG, PSG they're the two most memorable moments of the season. But at some point, Barcelona will have to start thinking about what comes next. And I think that's true of Bayern as well, and Real. Well, just quickly, let's do the the, the players over 30 when next season starts. Suarez, Messi, Piquet, Mascherano, Iniesta for Barca. For Bayern, Robin, Ribéry, Neuer, Vidal. Two are also retiring, Lam and Alonso. And for um, Real Madrid, it's Ronaldo, Ramos and Modric, plus... uh, couple of others like Caelan yeah. Navas. When we were talking about you said Barcelona it's 4-3-3 doesn't matter who mm. comes in and coaches them the philosophy at Barcelona 4-3 is it the same at Bayern Munich Real Madrid their philosophies regardless of who's going to coach them in the future who's going to play for them will their philosophies change or will they bring a coach in that would say well this isn't working I play this way I'm going to play a different way at Real Madrid or at Bayern or will the philosophies of those massive clubs carry on and the coaches just have to fit in and find the right players to fit in with with the past philosophies I think at Bayern and Real there is a degree of flexibility that doesn't exist at Barcelona we have Luis Enrique's changed his system he's been playing a three man defence the, the general pattern of play remains the same they're still you know it's mm-hmm. not that they're hoofing it long Barcelona or playing on the counter attack loads they're, they're still Barcelona they've just changed the way they line up so I was wrong about that in fact it doesn't apparently have to be 4-3-3 all of the time it can be a variant on it mm-hmm. I think at Real and Bayern there is a bit more flexibility you probably could say I want to play 4-4-2 or I want to play and more count- Real play on the counter-attack against big teams Bayern can play that way what was interesting about Real Bayern was they both wanted to counter-attack against each other they, they very much did not want the ball um, I think Bayern are, can change they're a bit more chameleonic in the way they play they can, they can adapt a little bit more to, to who the opposition is they can have different kind of approaches um, but I don't, yeah, they're not, they're not quite as kind of fundamentalist in what mm. they do as Barcelona. Because normally, if you have a coach coming in, you look at the pool of players that's available to him, maybe to sign in, or players that are going to leave. It talks about all these old players leaving all these clubs. You then have to decide on how you play with the players that are available to you. But I just found it interesting that if clubs have this kind of this is the way that our club plays, then it does, in a way, make it a bit more difficult to get players to actually fit those mm. positions. So, for example, when Xavi retired, they brought in Rakitic. They yeah. brought in a player who fit that yes. that role rather than just thinking who's the best player available. We'll bring him in and. and Try but if you run out of Rakitic's or run out of players of that type of that quality, then what do you do? Because so normally who's, a coach who's thinking about it though, because it won't mm. be the cut coach. Because Luis Enrique is leaving. Carlo Ancelotti doesn't really spend a great no. deal of time at any club. Is Zinedine Zidane the only the only coach who we think is ironically at Real Madrid going to last any sort of length well, of time? By the way, Bayern haven't even got a sporting director in place at the moment since Matty Sama left last summer. They were, I think they were hoping Philip Lahm would retire and take that role. But oh, yes, he's, he said he's, no, he's not agreed he? to do so. But they can convince him otherwise. In conversation with Sid Lowe, the Guardian journalist last week, he said that Real are better prepared for the future than all of the others, which is all of the other giants, which is bizarre when you think about what Real is and what they stand for. But they do have 
players like Marco Asensio who've come through there's a guy called Llorente on loan at Alaves who's quite quite highly rated they've got Lucas Vasquez Lucas Silva there's there's kind of young players there the risk with Real is that they can have all these young players kind of coming through and Florentino Perez will say in the summer actually I want to go and spend a hundred million pounds on whoever I can because I like doing that and we've yeah. made that argument about youth yeah. players coming through everywhere isn't it yeah. that if they think that short term they need better players then they'll make sure that they go and buy them and not, not wait for somebody to but I mean Asensio particularly looks like he's ready to be in the first team now but it's the, the issue is, is whether well, who, who does he replace though in, well, if we're talking about yeah. this model I mean the obvious one going by the Classico is Bale that he could he could replace Bale, but that, that won't happen. Bale is the one who will stay still at the peak of his career. He, he is the future of Real Madrid as Real Madrid see it. I think the, what's interesting for all three clubs is they have three or four players each who are now not necessarily... We're not saying any of these players are finished, but they are all nearing an age where, as a journalist, as a, as a pundit, as a commentator, as, as a football fan, you would, you would probably be saying they probably have to think about what comes next now and it's important that somebody is thinking about what comes next and as Steve says Bayern don't have a sporting director Real never think long term and Barca who are the team that you'd expect to be thinking about it I wonder whether Barca are a bit too wedded to this idea of bringing young players through which is a, is a weird criticism to make which I was going to say is they're surely their greatest vulnerability because pride would dictate that they would continue that, that passage of players from La Masia into the first team. And of course, that's much harder to accomplish, isn't it, than the Real Madrid ability to, or willingness to go out and spend tens of millions of, of euros on, on players to, to fulfil the criteria that they require. And also, you know, let's not weep for Bayern Munich, who have won the German title in five of the last seven seasons, still have exceptional young players at their disposal. You're talking about the ability of Kimmich to, to come in and replace Lahm. They've got Douglas Costa, who could, could be is a like-for-like replacement potentially for Ribéry. If they can convince Kingsley Coman to stay, then he's the, the heir to Iron Robin. Uh, Robert Lewandowski is still under the age of 30. So I don't really fear for Bayern so much. And obviously Real Madrid have, have demonstrated on numerous occasions their ability to... to to buy their way out of a potential crisis. So, so Barcelona, with the change of coach required as well, do feel the most vulnerable of the trio, don't mm-hmm. they? How, how do Bayern compare in terms of, like, so he talks about the young players they mm-hmm. promote, in terms of spending? Are they, are they not similar, clearly not similar to Real Madrid, but will they go out or may, might they have to go out and suddenly think, wait a minute, we're going to have to spend maybe 40, 50, 60 million on players to, to, to get them in to obviously improve with losing so many of the experienced players they have. Such is their dominance in, in the Bundesliga. They, you know, they've been able to cherry-pick players from the other big, you know, particularly Borussia Dortmund in the mm. last few seasons, from other Bundesliga clubs. They're being heavily linked this summer with signing Julian Brandt, who is a, an exceptional young German talent currently with Leverkusen. So a further demonstration that you know, a lad who's broken through somewhere else by... An, yep, we like the look of him. He can fulfil a, a role for us. So that is where they will continue to, to problem solve. It won't necessarily be producing their own young players, which they are capable of doing, but they have an excellent ability to, to strike at the right point for the young German talent yeah. from other clubs. And they, they are able to, to buy those players perhaps at, at a rate that Premier League clubs would not, you know, there'd be a, a much greater premium on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, there's, there is, there's an English tax that yeah. all the foreign clubs charge. Bayern have signed two from Hoffenheim as well, Rudy and uh, Niklas Sula, yeah. the defender. So Hoffenheim have had this great season under Nagelsmann, the coach, who you'd probably put money on being the next 
maybe the next but one Bayern coach. Yeah, in fact, he's younger than lots of the players that yeah, we've been talking exactly. about. He's, he's definitely he's not about to retire. <laughs> yeah, the, um, but yeah, they've, they've, I mean, Seb Rudy's a really good player, but I, you wonder whether, to get a little bit technical, what happened to Sebastian Roder at Bayern might happen to Rudy at Bayern, which is that he's a, a good all-purpose midfielder who might get a little bit lost in that star-studded squad. But Sula, I think they see as being the next kind of heir to Boateng and Hummels that's in central defence. So they have gone and, and, as Steve said, they have gone and strengthened. But interestingly with Bayern, they're building a new youth academy at Zirbenestrasse, their training ground. Oh, no, I think, in fact, I think they're building the youth academy by the stadium. But I like saying Zirbenestrasse. Zirbenestrasse. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say it in that particular way? That's how they that? pronounce it in Munich. Really? Like that, and they pull that face? Yes. Every time? Every single oh, that's time. That's amazing. They could, they could build an entire city around the Allianz Arena. There's so much space. <laughs> there is, yeah. It's like a, about a three-hour walk from the nearest station, isn't it? You can do whatever they want yeah. there, quite frankly. The frankly. station has just been Flutmanning. You're doing all these, these, these German names as if you're a plumber sucking in his teeth, telling you it's going to cost Cost you all it will. Um, the, but they're really conscious that they haven't since Muller, since that kind of Muller generation, they've not really produced any of their own players. And it's, it's something that last time I was in Munich, which was November-ish, they're really worried about. And it's, it's odd that you think of Bayern as being like Barcelona, mm. churning out loads and loads of players. But they're really, really, really concerned that they haven't done it for a long time. In answer to your question about spending money, they don't mm. they don't spend as much money as the others for the reasons that Stephen yeah. just gave. But also, um, if you remember, they bought Robin and Ribéry and they spent something around £40 million pounds mm. on the two. And that was, oh my goodness, Bayern mean business because oh, right, they're buying okay. players who are over the age of 27 or 28, mm. whatever they were at the time, because Ribery's now 34, I think. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they spent a lot of money, 20 million quid roughly, on each of them. And it was something of a surprise that they had spent that much on players that weren't already playing in the German So do you think they'll actually carry on doing that in the next five years? Will they actually go out and take players from, from other leagues or do you think they'll continue to buy in well, cherry pick if, the German players? If the ones that we're talking about are Work. a success or not. Yeah. They seem to think that that's the model, don't they, Bayern? They yeah. seem to think that if, if they can basically get the best talent in the Bundesliga, leaving sort of two or three at Dortmund, two or three at at Leverkusen just in case they need them yeah. later then <laughs> they keep them fresh they keep them fresh but, but that, it's that's slightly cynical isn't it, it and, and actually cynical. fans of Borussia Dortmund and Leverkusen and Hoffenheim will, will appreciate that because there's only one if you like big name in Germany all the players who are German playing not for Bayern will eventually be courted if they're good enough or will want to go to Bayern because they know that that is the best team in the country but the same thing's happening in, and this is this is probably a subject for a different podcast but the, the same thing's happening in, in Italy with Juventus signing Pjanic I think they've They've been linked with Costas Manolas from Roma as well, and they, you know, they are very much kind of. Obviously, San Higuain was the big one last summer. They are taking the best. They're looking at Serie A now as their proving ground. They will say, right, we will find the best players here. Domenico Berardi from Sassuolo will end up going towards. I mean, I think the Milan clubs having lots of money might change it a bit, but they are take, Juventus are cherry picking the best players as Bayern have done. PSG do it to an extent in France as well. They take the players that they want and. I guess in those leagues where there's one team with such a huge financial advantage, it, that is the natural and way to do it. And it used to be Manchester United as well, but, yeah. about 10 years ago. Yeah, you, well, yeah, United did it with Sher- people like Sharon and Andy Cole. Yeah, they take and the best all players. All the way up to people like Michael Carrick yeah. as well. We've, we've discussed previously, haven't we, how the, one of the problems for English clubs in the Champions League is that the, the talent pool is more thinly spread in the Premier League because, you know, as Rory has said, effectively Bayern's position is, you know, they responded to Dortmund winning back-to-back titles by winning the next four and they have now, in the same as Juventus in Italy, got themselves into a, a situation where, by more or less guaranteeing they are the best team in the country, that makes them competitive in Europe just as a sort of as a byproduct. Mm. Really, and they don't need to worry too much about clinching the domestic title. That 
sort of takes care of itself, which allows them to focus tactically on, on being, being a success in Europe. That, you know, it hasn't quite panned out this season as anticipated, but I don't think we should weep for, for Bayern and Barcelona because they've not reached the semi-finals. And certainly I think Bayern will be, will be okay going forward. I think Bayern are the best team in Europe, to be honest. I think Bayern are the, of those three, Bayern are the, Juve are really impressive, but Bayern are probably more put together at the moment than Real Madrid, who amazingly seem to be really so, good despite not having a plan at all. If you were seeding the Champions League, you'd say draw, Bayern first, yeah. Yeah, Bayern and Juventus would probably be one and two. I've spoke to, I've done the, I'm not in a name drop, I know I don't criticise, but whilst, whilst I've been away from don't you, say all, missing you terribly, <laughs> I've done two of the most interesting interviews I've ever done. <laughs> did not no, no, so it wasn't me. I've never, inter- never interviewed you, Chichi. You, you have. You did, you did once about corners, didn't you? Oh, we talked about crossing. Remember, a crossing. Yeah. That was it. I yeah. was wandering through the middle of Liverpool. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. We had a lovely time chatting mm. about, about crossing. But anyway, apart from that, the two most spoke, interesting interviews. You spoke to Steve Guppy. He didn't need me anymore. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> I didn't speak to Guppy. It was wanted. To oh, me. now you tell me. Guppy wouldn't pick up, would he? Guppy didn't have the availability. You can name drop unless you want to keep it under wraps because they're for future articles. They are for future articles. But it'll be all right. No, Give one, us initials. One is a guy called Vitafrad, who is the the father of tactical periodization, which is the training methodology that Mourinho uses, and is the one that is behind all those Portuguese coaches being successful. And the other is is Renzo Olivieri, the former Bologna manager, who's now in, ch- in charge of Traverciano, the Italian coaches' training centre. And they're not big names, but they were just really interesting to talk to about football. They both said that of all those big teams, the the ones that really impressed them are Bayern, because Bayern have the the most coherent kind of approach they also picked out teams like Juventus and Atletico Madrid Chelsea and Napoli as being teams who have got a really put together kind of style whereas with Barca and Real they said they're both a little bit they're not they're neither, haphazard they're neither fish nor foul and I think that's yeah. probably Barcelona fans would recognise that about their play this season and you probably see it in their results that they've produced these incredible performances but then they'll go and lose to Malaga is, is there a, a, a comparison perhaps for you drawn by to Napoli and how Barcelona could find themselves if they aren't able to quite solve the problem because Mauricio Sarri the Napoli coach said said recently he was perhaps being asked why they hadn't managed to keep up with the Juventus in the, the title race why they hadn't gone a little bit deeper into the Champions League and he went on the defensive said we're not lacking anything there's nothing in my squad whatsoever that I would change but then as the conversation went on he, he sort of did have to accept that he couldn't quite put his finger on what it was that meant that Napoli were you know what eight points adrift of Juve in the title race at the time and, and hadn't been able to push on in Europe it is a hard thing to quantify isn't it and that could be a, an area in which Barcelona struggle if, if they can't solve the problem quickly I think the other problem with Barcelona though is the depth I, I, I know what you mean about about Napoli's squad that you, it's really hard to go through Napoli's squad and think yeah he's rubbish upgrade him that's even more true of Barcelona but then you, you look at the bench and there's a lot of kids and I think what you said about that, that loyalty to the, that idea of La Masia and saying we want to create our own talent, which is incredibly admirable. But you do wonder how much whether Barca might have, might have been a bit better this season if they'd got two or three more senior players. The, the other issue with Barcelona is if you're a player and you have the chance to go to Barcelona, but you play as one of the front three, you know you're never going to get a game. Yeah. So would you genuinely choose to go there? The other thing to, to, to think about, if Barca, Real and Bayern aren't going to be the teams... Are there going to be other teams that that kind of take their place? If we think about Juventus this season really being up there, Atletico Madrid over the last five years or so being up there, and you look at the the kind of the formulation that the uh, the age range of their teams, it's much more 
positive for them. So are they going to be able to keep hold of those players and grow into greats like the, the three that we've been talking about? Or are just like Bayern do in Germany, are Real Madrid and Barcelona going to pick off the best of Atletico, of Monaco, of Dortmund, even of, of teams outside of that, like Spurs? Because at Spurs, only their keepers are older than 30 in any of their first team squad that... that play regularly you've got Atletico I've got Sal Niguez you've got Koke Carrasco Griezmann all 26 and under and I appreciate Griezmann not, might not be there next season Monaco have a hugely young squad comparatively seven key players at 24 and under and they've got all the way to the semi-finals and have been incredibly impressive Dortmund are similar so are those players the next generation of top players that those top three are just going to take or are they going to be able to grow and become great teams you'd hope for the latter because I think what I thought the Champions League was getting boring this season we may even have talked about it on the podcast but the last few years it's become too obvious what's going to happen in the Champions League it's, it's obvious that unless Bayern, Real and Barca play each other they're all going to the semi-finals play each other or play Atletico Madrid that it's going to be three as a rule mm. three of those four are going to be in the semi-finals you might get one more and they're, they're very much going to be the outsiders and I, I was genuinely worried because I love the Champions League uh, Love the European Cup and Champions League ambivalence was. <laughs> but yeah, I love European competition. Yes. And the I was worried that there was that it was going to get to a stage where it was too much like well people also have the group stages procession. And that's fine, that's a risk in tournaments. But if the last sixteen and the, the quarterfinals are also a procession, then you have a, re- a real problem. If it only kicks in in the semi-finals, then people will stop watching. So I think what this season has given us it was hugely important to the Champions League, which was a Monaco team who looked a bit like Ajax '95, Borussia Dortmund. The circumstances in which they they underperformed in the sem- in the quarterfinals deeply are understandable, but, yeah. but understandable. Really exciting team. Juventus looked like they are ready now to to take that step to join Real and Barca and Bayern as genuine continental giants. PSG might have been humiliated in that second leg, but they did. They smashed Barcelona 4-0 in the first one. They're not far off. Atletico Madrid, as you say. It's really important that there are those six or seven teams who can do it. So you'd hope that Monaco and Dortmund stay together for a couple of years. Wouldn't put money on it. It's funny that you haven't mentioned any of the England, English sides. Can, Chinch, can you see Spurs? Spurs. Because... Just like Juventus are the only team in Syria at the moment, so they're able to, to cherry-pick some of those players. And Higuain is one that we mentioned. Spurs used to be the club that were picked from, That's like the, Borussia Dortmund do in still, Germany, but they're they, now they, going to they keep will. their players, are they? Possibly, possibly. But if you, there's, there's such quality in that team. Again, the, the age of the players, they're going to be very attractive, certainly to teams like Real Madrid. If Barcelona, if they haven't got those quality youngsters coming through to take the place of these, the, the, the superstars they've had for so long, eventually they're going to have to, have to go out and spend as well. Are they more likely to buy Spurs players Monaco players Dortmund players because even though we haven't got them you can't get everybody all at once can you clearly other clubs are going to develop players then they'll go and cherry pick them and say well actually we do need this type of player he's playing for Monaco he's playing for Tottenham and then it's down to whether the players but if Harry Kane or Deli Alli gets the opportunity to go to Barcelona what do you think he's, he's going to do still the pull of Barcelona yeah. is, is massive I'm, isn't it the, I, Bayern Munich is the one I'd think about with Ali. I think that, really? that fits Perfect. In yeah. What in terms of how they go about things? How they or? play, his, his appeal to them. I, I, I think that Real Madrid have been burnt by the Bale thing because it hasn't worked in a commercial point of, from a commercial point of view signing Bale. I think they'd be, they thought when they got Bale that they were getting Beckham. And they, right. they haven't got uh. Beckham. They've got someone who's a much better footballer than David Beckham but does not sell nearly as many shirts as David Beckham. Um, I think that might put them off alley. I think they also... Florentino Perez really didn't like de- dealing with Daniel Levy and getting his... 
his um his bottom handed to him on a plate by Daniel Levy, <laughs> mm-hmm. essentially. Uh, he's not he's not the only. And he's not the only one, but I think Perez thought that wouldn't happen to Real Madrid and it wouldn't happen to him, but it did and it was embarrassing. So I think I, th- I can imagine that Real that would put Real off Ali. I'm not sure he fits. He's a brilliant player, but I'm not sure he'd necessarily fit into the, that distinct Barcelona mm-hmm. style. So I would have thought that Bayern Munich is the, is the club that would go for him, but he would cost a fortune. Kane, mm-hmm. I think, will stay in England. Might not stay at Spurs, but will stay in England. And the rest of them... Christian Eriksen is the one as Eriksen's well. Eriksen's the Eriksen's one who you maybe look at for very Barca. You could, you could put Eriksen in for yeah. Iniesta and it wouldn't be too bad. OK, so, so we've mentioned Rakitic and, and you've just mentioned Christian Eriksen. Yeah. Let, let us fix the problem then for each of those three teams mm-hmm. of Ooh. those players Four. over Ooh. 30 who are going to be the ones that replace them directly. We'll go through the, the, the ones that maybe to a team that we think are genuinely needed but wait a minute we're we're talking about from either within or from from within I was going to say Bayern seemingly are doing it they're not. They're not going to cherry pick from the other European clubs. They're going to do more from the German. Do you think clubs, they're sorted with Douglas Costa and with Union Brands? Absolutely no worries about Bayern whatsoever. They were very unfortunate the circumstances in which they got knocked out of the, the Champions League by by Real Madrid. And I think they what they will need is a couple of tweaks. You know, for senior players over the next couple of seasons, they don't need you know a wholesale change of personnel to, to, to take a next step forward they're already playing at that level my worry my only worry is that I think Kimmich will replace Lam right back initially I think Brandt and Douglas Costa and Coman if he stays will cover them for the wide men as the wide men get older my worry is whether Rudy can replace Xavi Alonso in midfield I think they might also just for their own peace of mind their own self-respect they might do when they signed Robin it was very much a we can compete with the big boys I wonder if they might decide that they want to do that once ah, more. Statement just purchase. A, a statement, just not the not An Ed Woodward statement purchase. Bayern are far too sensible to to go and let Ed Woodward be in charge of transfers. But <laughs> the, um, I think that I wonder whether they might say like if there's a player out there who we can get who is a proper top class European star. Let's go and get him because it shows that we mean business. Where's Renato Sanchez going to play, by the way? Oh, I suppose he's well, the is, other one. Yeah. This is the one player we've not mentioned, and yeah. he's not had much of a look in this no. season. But he was he was the one, wasn't he, last and summer? Everybody wanted him. Yeah. And, and Bayern got him, which was that sort of flexing of the... <laughs> flexing <laughs> no, I did, I did the cover of the Euros and when Wales play Portugal. And I was talking to a very famous former Welsh captain who was covering the game. Yeah. And I said, uh, have you seen Portugal play? Yes, yes, yes. So Renato Sanchez, what a... Who's he? <laughs> Renato Sanchez, the 18th, brilliant, isn't he? No, I've never heard of him. You've watched them play and you've never heard of him. When he scored. Young player of the tournament. I thought, oh, blimey, this could be a tough commentary. Okay, so we'll do uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona then. We'll start with Barcelona because that's where quite a lot of our conversation is centred. So Suarez, Messi, Piquet, Mascherano and Iniesta. Oh. I mean, uh, is he got to be replaced Ini- by I soonest? Iniesta's the pressing Who's going to replace mm. Iniesta? I think Iniesta is the pressing one. Um, we did, when we had our conversation, we did think of someone to replace Iniesta, didn't we? I certainly probably didn't. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> probably, probably didn't. didn't. So, yeah. uh, Marco Verratti. Oh, Marco Verratti from PSG. Okay. Mm. Um, Suarez? He'd probably be up there as the next one. I think Dybala is probably the, the most likely attacking reinforcement for Barcelona at some point. Messi? Well, let's, let's put that no, to one no, side, no, shall we? And also, the thing with Messi, we should make this point, Messi is only nearly 30. Yes, in fact, he turns 30 on the day that uh, I get married. Well, which is a which double, is double celebration double, for all double of us. Celebration. Selfish of him, isn't it? Yeah. The, well, he's, we're going to need up. more champagne. <laughs> Recharge the glasses. <laughs> now now we can wish you in general the best. <laughs> I've won seven Classicos, but this is the best match I've ever seen. <laughs> oh. No, but um, the point is with Messi that you, 
like he could he we don't know he is treading ground that we have never we that is currently untrodden so he could be at this level could be for another six years. Fine. We don't know. So, so we'll, we'll leave Messi out. Six years. Let's, let's go just, at least in theory, to Pique and Mascherano. Again, they might carry on. Mascherano's yep. older. They might carry on for a little bit longer. But the centre-backs at Barcelona are, are important um, because of the way they play. So mm. can, you, can you think of any centre-backs? The one that they both want in Spain is Aymer at Laporte from Bilbao. That's the, he's the one I'm, whether he's any good or not I'm not sure but he's the one so if they get Valverde as the coach they might uh, that might give them a head start yeah. for Real Madrid we've got to replace we us have got to replace Ronaldo Ramos and Modric Ronaldo is, is Modric going to Bayern is this the is this the story oh god I've not heard that I've not heard that, that, would, make sense. that would make sense I heard that. a rumour sounds like a song uh, that Modric was going to Bayern that would make sense to replace Alonso well literally the entire conversation I, thought it, I thought it made a lot of sense <laughs> okay, that's why I said it we have been talking about this for about half an hour <laughs> about what Steve <laughs> about the, the, the transition of, of players amongst the elite clubs yeah but there's the a plate of pastries in front of me my, my mind is elsewhere cinnamon <laughs> swirl what have you, have you bla- when did you Who blank out what was the no, it, it just occurred to me what's, then. What's the last thing you remember before you suddenly said um, Luka Modric to buy it? Um, I don't remember anything before that at all. You, you have what? been spending so much time massaging grapes between your thumb and forefinger. Mm, you have mm, no mm, idea mm. what we're talking about and where we are. The issue with Real is Ronaldo. Because again, Ronaldo might have another two or three years in him. He's, he's already become a different player. He's now a, stri- a number Striker, nine rather yeah. than a number seven. But... He could keep on scoring shed loads of goals for another three years. I would have thought that, the, that at some point Real would go th- for either Kylian Mbappe or Pierre Emerick, Aubameyang, 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 Aubameyang. It's a hard. It, that's it a hard to Let's, just, let's the call the whole thing, thing off. It well, changes, I like it. it. Changes every week. No, no Luka Modric apparently is going to buy him. <laughs> is he? Well, <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. That makes an awful lot of sense. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So to replace Ronaldo, I think it will be Mbappe or uh, to quote Paul, Mo- Paul Merson, the lad from Dortmund. And are we also going to be able to replace the centre back at Real Madrid with Ramos, who might actually be suspended for the next two and a half years against Messi? They need it. So that hang on, Real Madrid to replace. Sergio Ramos need a hot-headed centre-half who gets sent off a lot but scores quite crucial goals. That's, mm. It's very difficult, isn't it? It's is quite hard, yeah. That's, so that's, that's a specific... Michael Keane at Burnley. Michael <laughs> Keane at Burnley. <laughs> and so often we talk about the people who need to be replaced as being attacking players. Oh. You forget how important the defence is. Sent off a lot, scores a lot of goals. Martin Skirtle. I don't know what uh, the people who actually do this for a living get paid, but I feel like we are worthy of at mm. least a portion of that for doing we, their work for them. We're technically a think tank, aren't we? We are a think tank. We are a quango. Mm. More of In- a cesspit, really, than a <laughs> think tank. Into which we insert a <laughs> soccer story, oh. uh, because it is time before we go for never mind Jack and Ori what a soccer story brought to you in association with Andy Hinchcliffe this is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing days that has all adult behaviour and libel worthy details removed um, by the way we will um, in an upcoming episode I promise you um, do an ask chinch session um, so keep those coming into at set piece menu or set piece menu at gmail.com but for now Andy your soccer story of the day am I allowed to do a story about things that are happening to me currently in my life as a, a top notch journalist um, so I call myself. <laughs> Why are you, what are you laughing at? I think I think Rory just choked on a cinnamon swirl. 
Being just, the, actually, just enjoying my cinnamon swirl. Yeah, being the people's pundit. <laughs> <laughs> would I be able to say, do you feel the hand of history on your shoulder? Yeah, I've, I've given myself that, that okay, title. So no you one want else to do, tends to I, do I need that. to change this. Can this I do a, is, yeah. This is when Andy tells us a tale from his playing or broadcasting yes. days that has all adult behaviour and libel weather details removed. Yeah, this happened very, very recently. There's, there's two parts of this story. We all do we all know Peter Slater, BBC's Peter Slater. We've all met Peter, haven't BBC we? BBC's oh, yeah. Peter Slater. He's a lovely, lovely man. Lovely, lovely man. man. I like that, him very, very much. Yes. Yeah, so I've seen each other at games and stuff. So about, I think it must be five years ago, Peter had written this book about his life in in journalism and stuff and kind of how all the kind of gritty side of things and travelling and all that type Same of thing. Same sort of journalism that you're in. Very much so, very much so, apart from the, the, the private planes. Um, <laughs> and he, he'd written this book and because we'd got on quite well, he gave me a copy of his book. And he wrote a little inscription in there, to chinch, hope the needs hold up, all my love, Peter Slater. Wonderful. Never read the thing. Was never going to read it. <laughs> Took it off him. Had it at home. Now, wait a minute. This, that, uh, we'll that, talk that about ring, this later. Not now. A couple of bells. Not now. This is, uh, this so I've got familiar. this book personally inscribed by Peter Slater back at home. Now, I didn't decide to get divorced. I got divorced. So I had to move house to a smaller house. So I had a lot of stuff to get rid of. DVDs, books. So I, I don't know whether I actually did this, but somehow the book went missing and I presume it went onto Amazon and was sold <laughs> to <presume>. someone. <laughs> but it got sold in with a lot of other stuff. I hadn't noticed that this had happened. So literally four or five days ago, another game, Peter Slater said, I want a word with you. And I thought it was just going to be because we hadn't seen each other for a while. And he said, I was at a, a, a book signing the other day. And I said, right, okay. And he said, a guy came over to me to get a book signed, my book. Um, and the guy came over and Peter said, oh, do you want me to sign it to you? He said, no, you don't need to do that because it's already got an inscription inside of it. Opened it and it was the, my inscription. <laughs> so Peter Slater's book with my inscription had been sold on Amazon to some geezer who had then taken it to and shown him. What a grass. Yeah, what, an what, an what an absolute mark. Exactly. <laughs> so, so basically, Peter gave me a book for nothing, signed to me, which I then sold, sold. for profit. <laughs> <laughs> it was so important. What do you how did, I how did Peter, Peter Slater take it? He, well, the other lads were saying, Sky was saying that he was like laughing it off, but I don't. Well, you wouldn't be too happy. If I, that book, you hadn't written an inscription for me. But if you'd written it, and I, I, I did. I signed it for you. I don't think you did. I did. Uh, this, this is where the problem lies. He doesn't realise where, where the inscription and is. I, but I, I blame Turn us. past page one. All I could do was blame someone. So I, it was the dogs, the children, or my ex wife. So she sold it basically. Yeah. From what I wanted to read it, I really enjoyed I read it a couple of times. <laughs> but there wasn't even, the, you know, the, it wasn't even, bro you know, it hadn't been opened. But how embarrassing is that? And he, he, he pretended that he found it funny. But apparently he went into the press room and I'd stayed in the tunnel. This was at Norwich. And he was telling everybody this. Which, would you tell everyone this story? Do you, do you understand sometimes why people don't like you? <laughs> yeah, but that's not really me, is it? <laughs> is that really me? No, I, I was surprised that that is I'm, that would I do I'm, something I'm, like that. Change, I've got to say, I think in that situation, if you, if you say, look, it obviously got lost in the divorce. You had other things on your mind than where people. No, but it got sold because the guy told him he'd paid for it on Amazon. So clearly, yeah, yeah. I've got the trouble of packaging it up and sending it off to Joe Block. <laughs> no, but Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. X Hinchcliffe has. She has, hasn't she? Not you. Yeah. Is that libelous at all? Can I get in trouble no. for saying that? I, it was I, I definitely, doubt, definitely someone else. I else's doubt your ex-wife is listening. As Shaggy once said, <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. how embarrassing! But he'd been chasing me around the country, waiting to meet me to give me this story. But then everyone overheard, and everyone said, "You're such a wonderful guy, Chinch. Why would you do this? Why would you do this?" And I thought, "Yeah, why would I do this? I have to blame somebody else because I can't, I can't admit to it." No. So perhaps one of the ask Chinch questions that people would like to send in in the future. 
uh, are related to anything that you may well own that mm. used to be owned by Andy Hinchcliffe and whether you would like it returned to you. I have a question. This guy. Yes. The guy who bought the book. Yes. Let's call him Gary. Let's call him Judas. Let's call him Judas. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on, he bought a Peter Slate, a signed Peter Slater. He, he wouldn't have known it had been oh, signed. Right. I presume so he would have bought no, it. You put it. You put it on. Yes. And start with inscription. I don't think I did. But, oh, you did. Uh, or oh, Mrs. Mrs. X H did. Mrs. X H. Yeah, yeah, she must have done. Yeah, just sold it. As it a, was you, wasn't it? No, it was you. I'm not that type of man. <laughs> you are that type of man. <laughs> I'm not. This is awful. Must be you're awful. By, must, See now must be you, you're realizing how awful this. You're is. a dreadful man. Dreadful. That's an awful thing to do. But. If I, if you found out and this happened to you, say you'd obviously signed that book and I sold it, or my ex-wife had sold it. He's continuing the story while yeah. he's got a great great <laughs> in, in his my mouth. mouth. <laughs> in my best. Uh, would you flag it up? Would you come and find me and say, wait a minute, a guy turned up, he bought my book. No, I just you... nurse my secret shame yes. forever. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not interested in you or Peter Slater. I'm interested in the guy. Yeah. The guy who takes a, buys an, a Peter Slater book off Amazon. Mm. Step one. Receives book, works out it's signed. Then takes it to a piece, an already signed book to a Peter Slater book signing. To do what? To show it to him? What a heel. This is not like a meet and greet with Stephen King, is it? So who's really in the wrong here? You. Also, why does Peter Slater <laughs> do still book signing? I've never had to do a book signing. Why is Peter Slater doing book signings? I've never had to well, do Well, it's one. quite a while they after the book. I know mm. full well of a well-known book retailer based in the middle of Manchester who wanted you to do a book signing. Th- that that, that's, uh, could not that comes out down. the side of the oh, mouth that yeah, isn't currently involved in chewing a grape. You didn't sign the book you gave. Me. I did. It's a tremendous book, Mister. You've not read it. Uh, I have. You haven't. I read about the author. <laughs> you <laughs> that's the only thing signed it. That's the only I thing was hoping to. Ch- what? Oh he doesn't even know who the author is. He's like, who is this Rory? <laughs> yeah, fellow. I don't even remember giving you the book. I find out who he is. You gave me the book, but I was quite. I wanted you to. I really wanted you to sign it. For I'm sure me, I signed you it. Di- you didn't. Because um, well, then it would have been worth something, wouldn't it? Chinch, let me. Um, I get very bashful signing books. It's very embarrassing, but I will sign one for you. Don't worry. Thank you. Yeah. I'll but put, so, Andy, so technically, hope the knees hold up. Lots of love, <laughs> Peter Slater. P.S. Please don't sell this book. <laughs> so, who's, so actually, Judas, we'll call him, is worse than me. Um, thank you to everybody for everything that you've contributed to today's <laughs> podcast, um, including Rory for returning. I'm the really prodigal, sorry that I missed last week. Son. It won't thank happen you again. Very much again. Um, please do subscribe, everybody. Do share. Do review as well. We humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Set Piece Menu. Keep those emails coming in too. Thank you to Steve, to Andy, uh, to Rory as well, and to you for listening. We'll all be back. Yes, all of us will be back with another Set Piece Menu for you to enjoy very, very soon. I do have something similar almost happened to me hmm. as that book story. I've been given, been given a, a gift of a book by a friend and presenter. And I was a bit like, I'd sort of flicked through it, it was very good, but I'd go through these sporadic spells of wanting to throw all the stuff that I own away. Clothes, books, CDs, DVDs, all that stuff. I just decide I'm sick of it and I want to get rid of the bits that I don't need. Is it Dion Dublin's book? <laughs> it was not D- Dion Dublin's book. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not him. No, it's not, it's categorically not, not him, so we know it's not him. Carry on. And I'd put it in the box to take to the charity. So we don't throw stuff away, obviously we give it to the charity. Quite right too. But it was a book that had an inscription on it. From Dion Dublin, not from Dion. And Dublin. I didn't realise that it had it had been it had a message in it. And Kate saved me from giving it to the charity. She made the point: what if at some point? So you could have done the same thing. It would have been the same thing. Yeah. Who is it? Who was it? Come on. It was um, Peter Slater. It give, was us the, give us the initials. It was P.S. Give us the initial, initials. <laughs> it's Claire Balding. It's not who? Claire Balding. No. I'm not going to name them. Oh come it on. Be fair. No. 
give us give us the initials. Would it would he give it away? It probably would give it away. Yeah. Okay. I think the lesson to learn here, Chinch, is that somebody within Rory's close knit circle kicked in, mm. and the moral conscience overtook the disaster that was about to yeah, unfold. But, yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah, didn't but happen to be fair, he had a wife. My wife had already left me. So, <laughs> although she did it, though, didn't she? So she did it before she left. Yes. You didn't have that same personal death, fitness yeah. instructor.